And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to Echoes of Calvary, brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. Today, we look at Romans chapter 6, verse 14. This one summary verse will show us the supremacy of God's grace over God's law. We'll also see how that supremacy can make us soar in righteous victory in our day-to-day spiritual lives. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. There is one more verse I want us to see. It's the last verse of our paragraph. It's verse 14. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Sin, also known as the law of sin and death, is the subject of verse 14. Sin, singular, will either be your master or it won't. This is a summary verse. 14 is a summary verse of verses 1 to 13. It's tying a ribbon on the passage, verse 14 is. Sin, singular, also known as the law of sin and death, is the subject of this verse. Sin, singular, will either be your master or it won't. And what makes the difference? Living under law or living under grace. That's makes the difference. How would living under law make sin your master? How would living under law make sin, singular, your master? By constantly pointing out your sins, that's the job of the law, without providing any remedy for your sins. The law of God is wonderful if you understand what it was given for. The law of God was never designed to provide righteousness because no one can keep the law of God all of that 100% of the time. The law of God's very important purpose is to take us by the hand, it says in Galatians, like a pedagogue, like a tutor, to take us by the hand, not to the schoolhouse, but to the cross. To take us by the hand that we need Jesus. That we can't keep the law. That's the law's function. The law is a mirror. It can only point out that our hair's messy. The law as the mirror is not a hairbrush. It can't fix your messy hair. The law, in another metaphor, is an MRI. It can tell the surgeon what's the problem inside of you, but the law cannot be the scalpel in the surgeon's hand. And so if we put ourselves under law, we are going to know frustration and sins eventually. Law can only point out our sin and our need for a savior. Law can't cover our sin, pay for our sin, provide us with a savior. But the grace of God, that's something different. The grace of God gives us Jesus to pay for our sins, plural. And the grace of God gives us the Holy Spirit to overcome the power of sin, singular. After we are saved, the law still reveals sins, plural, and the law of sin and death still works all the while to pull us down into sinning. Both are happening. 
It's a civil war between inside each Christian. Grace and only grace gives us a remedy beyond the law and gives us relief from the downward pull of the law and sin and death. Grace does. Grace is what frees us up from our earth suit's leak, always dominating the flesh. Grace wins and we live out the win as we reckon aright and as we walk controlled by the Holy Spirit. Look at it this way. Every day, multiple airplanes land at the Nassau airport and multiple airplanes take off. I want you to picture a plane on the tarmac on the Nassau airport readying to take off. As that plane sits on the tarmac, the law of gravity is pulling the mass of that plane toward the center of the earth. But when the pilot revs the turbine engines and gives it the thrust necessary and the speed necessary and the air flap position and the wings necessary, then the law of aerodynamics overrules the law of gravity. When that plane flies from Nassau to Boston, the law of gravity is still in play. And if the plane stalled out, God forbid, it would be pulled like a stone because the law of gravity is still operative on that airplane. But as long as the engines are right, the air flaps are right, the speed is right, then the law of aerodynamics overturns the operative law of gravity. And they fly. And if you're sitting in seat 7B, you're inside the aircraft and whatever the aircraft does you do. If you're in 7B and the aircraft flies, you fly. If you're in Jesus Christ and you are believers, every one of you are in Jesus Christ. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. Give us minds to understand, minds to believe, and toolboxes to obey. We pray this in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and you're listening to another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to talk about embracing the life of a Christ follower. You know, in a Christian church and around Christians, we hear this word called discipleship. And I think sometimes when we hear the word discipleship, we think that it's talking about some elite Christians, some elite, they're, they're better than other Christians. But today we want to understand that when we consider discipleship, this is what all of us as Christians should be. We should be discipling others, and we should understand that we are not disciples of ourselves, but we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And as we have looked over the last couple, we have talked about how Jesus' disciples, they followed him. He left everything to follow him. And today we want to continue to talk about what it truly means to follow Christ and what it truly means to be a disciple of Christ. You see, we need to understand that this is not an option. This is a command from God that we are to be his disciples. We are to follow him. And today we want to t- look at Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25. And it says that, Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses life because of me will save it. 
What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You see, I think so many times we, we think that when we talk about coming to Christ, we think that, oh, once I come to know Christ, I ask him to be my Lord and Savior, then that is it. No, this is a process that we call sanctification. And here we see, as we consider this, in verse 23, it says, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. You see, I think we need to understand that we need to kill ourselves, our flesh, because every single day we struggle with the flesh. And we also have this, that take up your cross daily. You see, we need to recognize that this is a daily process. This isn't just, I'm going to do it once and that's it. No, we have to die to ourselves daily. You know, in my own life, I can think of my, myself. I sin on a daily basis. And I have to ask God to continue to forgive me. I have to ask God to help me. I have to ask God when I wake up in the morning to not let Nicholas be seen, but let him be seen. And you see, the picture here is of the cross. You know, it's not telling you as a Christian to find a cross somewhere, some sticks, and, and carry it around. No. But the cross represents death. And what is it saying to us is, as believers is we need to die to ourselves daily. We need to ask God to help us. This is a process every single day. It also continues on and says, and follow me. You see, Jesus here is talking and he is saying that we need to follow him. We need to pursue him. We need to know what is it that God wants me to do. How do I follow Christ? Well, we follow Christ, first of all, we need to be in his word. We need to recognize that if we're in his word, this shows us the manual to life. This shows us how we are to live, what Christ would have us to do. And I think sometimes in our own lives, we try so many times to do it on our own, and we recognize that we always come short. We always mess up. And that's because we don't die to ourselves. We don't allow Christ to be seen in us. We don't allow his word to penetrate our lives. We don't get away from the crowd or a busy life to just spend time in God's word. You see, this is the only way we could take care of our soul. You see, as you consider as a person, as a physical person, as you think of you know, how do I lose weight or what? how do I get fit? Well, we get fit because we exercise. We get fit by watching the things that we eat. We get fit by doing a lot of different things. Well, as a Christian, we get fit because we recognize that we die to ourselves and we let Christ shine through us and let him be seen through us. Verse 24 continues, says, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me will save it. You see, we need to recognize that this verse is saying that there's many times in our own life that we may try to save our own life, but we can't. We can't do it. But you want me to tell you why we can't do it? Because Christ already paid the price for our life. You see, the Bible says that we were bought with a price. God sent his son to die for us so that we can have a relationship with him. And that is a price that we can't buy it. We cannot buy the gift of salvation, but it is already done. You see, we have to understand that none of us can save our own life. But it goes even further. But whoever loses life because of me will save it. You see, that one statement doesn't make sense to the average person because who wants to die? The reality is, is that there are many people who die every single day for the name of Jesus. There are more people dying today for Christ than ever before in history. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to die for the sake of Christ. You know, sometimes in our own schools, we're scared to, to take a stand for God and to allow God to be seen in our lives, allow God to, um, for people to know that we're Christians. But here it is, Jesus is saying that we must be willing to 
die for him. You know, there are many people around the world who, who risk their life every single day to go into countries where the gospel or Bible isn't even allowed. But yet too many times we allow ourselves to be afraid because of fear of what people are going to say about us just because we don't want Christ to be seen. We are ashamed of the name of Christ. And the Bible is very clear that we need not to be ashamed because we need to continue to fight for Christ. We need to continue to recognize that we are his children. We need to continue to recognize that he, Jesus Christ, came to this earth and died for us. He gave up his life for you and for me. A man who never sinned became sin for us. The perfect man to ever walk the face of this earth died for us, paid the price, and only his blood could pay that price. So I want to challenge you this morning. If you are listening to this broadcast, whatever age you are, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you recognize this morning that, you know what? I need to follow Christ. I need to die to myself. I need to allow Christ to be seen in my life. I need to let Christ be all that I am. You see, as we continue to talk and we think about talking about a disciple, a disciple is a person that looks like the person they're following. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, this is who we're trying to become. We're trying to look at Jesus and to become more like him every single day because we recognize that this is a daily process for each and every one of us. So I would challenge you this morning again. For those of you who say, you know what, I've been a Christian all my life. I want to challenge you. Are you dying to yourself daily? Are you letting Christ be seen in your life? Are you letting his word penetrate? Or are you just filling yourself with a lot of garbage things of this world that, that just allow you to not to be pulled into two different directions? You see, we can be pulled into two different directions. And we will continue talking about this as we look at verse 25 in our next broadcast. This is Pastor Nicholas, and I want to thank you for listening to You Talk. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Pleased to have uh, Brother Benny and Sister Lena in the radio studio this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning. sir. Um, Lena, I know that um, your husband is, has traveled and is traveling a lot for the sake of the ministry, and he has said what a blessing it is for you to support him 100%. And I feel the same way with my wife, Beth. Howie Hendricks at Dallas Seminary said, Gentlemen, your wives will either make or break mm-hmm. your ministries. And Brother Benny, yes. you've you married wonderfully in the Lord, and I married wonderfully in the Lord. But Lena, when your husband is abroad, and uh, he is serving the Lord, and many times in hostile environments, in, in dangerous places, um, how do you cope with that? Um, I have total confidence that um, the God who has called us is forever faithful and he will keep us safe and he will be with him wherever he is. And God has always gives me that peace that, like I said, passeth all understanding. In our understanding, we can be confused and worried and stressed but when God gives you that peace 
that is beyond our understanding. We have the confidence that he will be okay <laughs> and everything will be well. Yeah, that's beautiful. And how do you pray for your family, Benny, when you are away from them? Yes, David says, you know, in the middle of the night, you wake me up and I'm there. This That's my on my mind day in and day out. Even though I'm here, I see something. It reminds me of my daughter, my son, uh, because she is with me, so I'm not that worried about her. Otherwise, that's there, yeah. How she is doing, what is she doing, you know. That cannot go off of uh, your heart. So you're always praying with that, meditating on that, and thinking about that. God be with them, help them, guide them, you know. That walking through the airport, you see some person walking by, you remind of, Lena or or you know something comes to mind that you hey Ben is doing this or Joy is doing this God be with her or a nurse is you know, be with my so that's a constant thing on my mind and heart that I cannot forget when I wake up before I touch the feet on the ground I sit down and I thank for I'm thankful for my wife and my children Amen. and uh, for my family that God gave me I mean it is so true that uh, I'm a blessed man because God gave me a wonderful family. Yes. And they know what it is to serve God and the price that they have to pay too. I'm in God's army. <laughs> Same like, you know, the, any other army is. So the call is there to go and do things. And just like uh, your professor Howard Hendricks said, you know, she's the one that is helping me. Uh, be strong in this ministry and go and continue that. So uh, I've seen that and that's been a blessing in my life. So I pray that and that prayer is always there. It doesn't go off. It's always there when you wake up throughout the day, uh, always concerned about, you know, like we are here. Joy has some um, issues at college so she will text mom she tells me a little bit she doesn't tell me the whole thing because I'm here to minister, the, minister word, yeah. the word so she doesn't want me to take the whole Lord and I know that she keeps that on her heart and she will give me a little thing and I know that hey, it's more I need to pray more so it's always while shaving or doing anything you're looking at things and I know life is short. I have to be engaged, praying and seeking God and doing the best. Every day doing something with my life that will outlive me for eternity. That's a goal in, in our heart. And that is marvelous. I know that an astounding faith goal is to train 100,000 Christian workers. Yes, sir. And for them to plant 100,000 churches where there currently is no church, that is a large goal. Tell us a little bit about that. It's a God-sized vision. Yes. He has to do it. We are available and we have made ourselves available to do that. And we have learned some of the things um, that how training is a very important thing. In my dad's life, we have seen that how the ministry grew because he had a system every month. The pastors will come together in each area, have a workers meeting. There they learn the word of God, memorize scriptures, and then they go and share um, questions and, and answers and then they will go and share to their people. I've observed many things from their life and we have um, our leaders have adopted those things into our ministry and we have put that into practice and it's a big vision, big goal 
our goal is to go and train frontline leaders and give the seeds into their hands so that they will take back and go and sow in their fields. And what is the seed? The Word of God. Yeah. For example, I, in the first week of May, um, we have four or five of us. We are going to Guatemala for doing a first-time training of 50 leaders in that place. Praise the Lord. So wherever I go, I see a pastor is struggling or something. I cannot preach that well, but I can share from my experience. I'm sorry. I'm he, can, he can preach fine. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm saying is uh, I can share from our experience yes. and things, you know, that the God of the Bible, people have a lot to say what the God of the Bible is. Uh, saying, you know, mm. but I can say, Lord, what the God of this Bible is doing in my life, mm. what the Bible says, people say is that the Bible says, Bible says, but I can say this God of this Bible is doing this in my life. Mm. And through that experience, we want to build the faith of those on the front line so that they will every year train five others and plant two new churches. Church means starting a prayer meeting somewhere. Finding, going to an unreached area, finding a man of peace there, sharing the gospel with him, going into his home, starting a small prayer meeting, and through that, eventually starting a church in that place. And God can honor that and do that. Right now, uh, I should say we have over 8,000 worship centers right there in India. 8,000. 8,000 of them that my dad oversee. Now it is the leadership doing it. How did that happen? Because of one man's vision and commitment and prayer. Prayer was a part of him. I mean, every morning he got up at four in the morning, he prayed. Uh, in the evening, we had prayer meeting. Anything we need, pray. And that has been a practice. For example, uh, one time I came back from India and Lena said, you know, Ben, my son is six feet, uh, three inches tall. And he loved playing basketball, but he had tendinosis of his knees and he needed some special shoes to play basketball. He was just wearing regular sneakers. So the coach will say, you need a, a basketball shoes, man. And he would say that and Ben will come and tell Lena and Lena will say, we'll pray about it. We'll pray about it. And one day I came back from India and she said, we need to get him his shoes. I said, yeah, we'll pray. Things will work. You know, three kids going to school. Things are not easy. We'll pray about this. And it so happens, uh, my fr son's friend bought, went online and bought a nice Nike shoes. And uh, he said, so-and-so got the shoes, Dad. I said, how much is it? So he goes to the Internet and prints that paper up and he shows me this shoes with his name written on it saying that this Nike shoes will be $140 or $180 or something like that. And he came and said, Dad, this is it. I said, man, that's a lot of money. We don't have money for $180 shoes or something. Uh, he said, I knew it. And he was just <laughs> get, disappointed. disappointed. But Benny said, take that picture, put it in your near your Bible. And whenever you look at it, pray that God will um, make it possible for you to have it. Wow. And good idea. And he said, OK, OK. And then I would remind him, son, do you know that the time when you were so sick and mom was 
um, at school and I couldn't reach her and you were so about to, um, you know, become unconscious and I tried to take you to the doctor here and they said that you don't have insurance, you cannot be seen. Then I took you to another uh, clinic and there it was full of patients and finally I saw this Chick-fil-A restaurant. I went in there and picked up a noodle soup and put it in his lap. He was still wrapped with his uh, blanket and things with high fever. And I said, I'm praying over this and I'll pray and give it to you. You just drink this. We'll go to forest area. There's another clinic because this clinic said at forest, they are taking patients. I said, I'm going to pray. You drink this. We'll reach there. And by the time, everything will be fine. And we were about to leave for forest. And Ben from the back car says, Dad, I want to see mom. I'm okay. Wow. And I said, do you feel okay, son? Yes, dad. My temperature is gone. I want to go home and see mom. Mm -hmm. And we turned it. I said, do you remember that? I said, the same God will provide. You will not believe this. The following Sunday, I was speaking in church. And after church service was over, about to step out, a gentleman came and said, this is for your son. Buy him a nice uh, basketball shoes. Wow. I said, how do you know? Just use it for him. And I opened it. It was $200. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so don't expect God to do those things all the time. And, you know, he will provide and do things in his time, not according to our time and our timetable. We need to wait on him. And in his time, he makes all things beautiful. We we are instant microwave kind of people, name it, claim it, things that happens. on No, that's not the God faith lesson I mean I have um, an acronym for life is lesson L-I-F-E lesson in faith every day mm. it's not a one day thing it's a daily lesson that you learn from God and you expect accept that into your life practice it wait on him if he doesn't do that that doesn't that means that that stop is there from him to protect us from some danger just like a stop sign on a highway I mean on a road it is to protect us or to take them the right direction. It doesn't mean that God didn't do that. God has something better for us. So a higher, a higher purpose. And we just wait on him and trust him. And in his time, he makes all things beautiful. I so love that, that you have learned to walk in the spirit and to claim the promises of scripture and to uh, teach your own family, but also many believers that you meet all around the world, that uh, faith in the Lord is a lifestyle and that he is all wise and gives the best gifts and that uh, he can be trusted and that when he is trusted, there is peace. Yes. Despite the circumstantial things and that there's hope and that there's delight and um, just getting to know you as new friends and family in the Lord. I, I can see that's a very strong uh, reality in your individual Christian lives, in your marriage in your home and in these many uh, thousands of believers that you love and have some responsibility to nurture and to teach and to encourage. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. 
Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to this service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments, and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior. Savior.